Who knew the pilot shortage is about money? Six United pilots sue for lost seniority and going to space virtually. This is Aero News for Monday, March 3rd, 2014. I'm Glenn Moyer. Amid all the talk of a pilot shortage, the Airline Pilots Association International says that it will only exist if U.S. airlines fail to provide qualified pilots with career potential, adequate living wages, and benefits. Although some within the airline industry blame the new pilot qualifications and training rules instituted by the FAA for a pilot shortage, the airline industry actually helped craft those rules and supported their passage. Captain Lee Moak, president of ALPA, said, quote, There is a shortage of pay and benefits for pilots in the regional airline industry, not a shortage of pilots who are capable and certified to fly the airline's equipment. Congress, labor, and the industry need to work together to create an industry that can offer jobs that are attractive to those who are interested in a career as an airline pilot, end quote. ALPA says it will ask Congress to review the federal government's relationship with regional airlines that accept millions of dollars in government subsidies for providing essential air service while offering some of the worst wages and benefits in the industry and, as a result, cannot fill their pilot seats. Six former Continental Airlines pilots who now work for the merged United Airlines have filed a class-action lawsuit against their own union based on claims their seniority was unfairly stripped when the two airlines merged in 2010. The lawsuit accuses the Airline Pilots Association International of breaching its duty of fair representation to the former Continental pilots by stripping their seniority in favor of a larger group of pilots who worked for United before the merger. For pilots, seniority controls pay, rank, schedule, flight routes, types of aircraft flown, and job security in recession layoffs. The lawsuit says ALPA sacrificed members' interest to pursue its controversial goal of achieving monopoly status as the only union available to every airline pilot in North America. Chris Ferguson, Boeing's Director of Crew and Mission Operations and Commander of the Final Space Shuttle Flight, virtually returned to space recently in the Boeing Crew Space Transportation 100, or CST-100, simulator to satisfy a NASA testing requirement for the spacecraft. Ferguson performed manual piloting activities, including on-orbit attitude and translation maneuvers, docking and backing away from a virtual International Space Station, and a manual re-entry to Earth in the simulator. The testing for NASA officials satisfied a CST-100 development milestone known as Pilot in the Loop. It is the final milestone before the spacecraft's critical design review. Ferguson, a veteran of three shuttle missions and commander of STS-135, the final shuttle flight, has logged more than 40 days in space and 5,700 hours in high-performance aircraft. About this testing, he had this to say, quote, It was great to be back in the pilot's seat even if I didn't leave the ground, End quote. A bill passed by a subcommittee in the Georgia House of Representatives would offer cities the same protection from lawsuits stemming from aviation accidents as is afforded to counties. The measure is in response to an accident which occurred in February of last year 
in which an airplane went down at Thompson McDuffie Regional Airport in Thompson, Georgia. Five people were fatally injured in the accident, but the two pilots survived. Now, the families of those fatally injured and one of the two pilots has sued the city as well as the county. The mayor of Thompson, Ken Usry, is concerned that jury awards or settlements could exceed the $5 million in insurance that the city has and could be financially devastating for the city, according to a report in the Augusta Chronicle. A 20-year-old law gives immunity to the county, but not to the city, Usry says. Even if the law passes, it won't help in the current situation. But he said if it does not, it will make him less open to cooperation with the county on joint projects in the future. The subcommittee sent the bill to the full House Judiciary Committee in the Georgia legislature. On February 13, 2014, Air Strato, an electrical-powered unmanned aerial vehicle, performed its first takeoff from rough terrain. The aircraft performed a short flight at an altitude of about 75 feet and then landed. The aircraft was powered by four electrical engines. Two supplementary engines were added in order to shorten the takeoff distance. Air Strato is a high-altitude electrical-powered unmanned aerial vehicle. It can reach altitudes of 59,000 feet and can fly autonomously for seven hours on internal batteries and three days using solar panels. It can carry a variable payload of up to about 65 pounds, consisting of surveillance equipment or other scientific instruments. When Aero News continues, the FAA clears the air on UAVs. How much is that UAV in the window? And they're back. The snowbirds, I mean. Redbird Flight Simulations is dedicated to revolutionizing flight training by designing, manufacturing, and delivering affordable and innovative flight training technologies. Each Redbird device is designed to enhance the training experience for pilots of all levels, from student to ATP. Redbird is quickly becoming the industry standard for flight training. Since Redbird introduced its revolutionary FMX in 2007, colleges, universities, and flight training operations around the world have integrated Redbird products into their curriculum. It's time to discover what Redbird can do for you. Join the migration. ADS-V will be mandatory for most aircraft by 2020 in the United States. But you can benefit from ADS-V today with the Bendix King KT-74 Mode S Transponder. The KT-74 meets the global mandates for ADS-V out when attached to a suitable WASP GPS and is plug-and-play slide-in replacement for the Bendix King KT-76AC and KT-78A transponders. Aero News continues now for Monday, March 3rd. I'm Glenn Moyer. The FAA says there are a lot of misconceptions and misinformation about unmanned aircraft systems regulations and has released a fact sheet that outlines its rules that currently govern the use of such aircraft. This fact sheet lists seven myths about UAV operations and answers each based on FAA rules, regulations, and policies. For example, one myth, Commercial UAS operations are a gray area in FAA regulations. Fact is, there are no shades of gray in the FAA regulations. Anyone who wants to fly an aircraft, manned or unmanned, in U.S. airspace needs some level of FAA approval. Private sector users can obtain an experimental airworthiness certificate to conduct research and development, training and flight demonstrations. 
Commercial UAS operations are limited and require the operator to have certified aircraft and pilots as well as operating approval. To date, only two UAS models, the Scan Eagle and AeroVironments Puma, have been certified, and they can only fly in the Arctic. Public entities, federal, state, and local governments, and public universities may apply for a certificate of waiver or authorization. The FAA reviews and approves UAS operations over densely populated areas on a case-by-case basis. For complete details, you can see the FAA's fact sheet or our website at www.aero-news.net. According to the New Market Research Report republished by Markets and Markets, the small UAV market is expected to register compound annual growth rate of 21.7% and reach $582.2 million in value by the end of 2019. The report provides a market analysis of the global small UAV and manned portable UAV market over the next six years. It provides detailed analysis of both historic and forecast global industry values, factors influencing demand, the challenges faced by industry participants, analysis of the leading companies in the industry, and key news. Speaking of key news, Organizers of the Oregon International Air Show thought they had lost their headline act, Canada's Snowbirds Jet Demonstration Team, due to budget cuts. But just weeks after saying it would not be able to perform at the 2014 event, the team announced that the Hillsborough-based show was back on the schedule, as were the rest of its planned U.S. performances. OregonLive.com reports that air show officials were effusive in a news release announcing the change, saying, quote, I can't begin to tell you how relieved and elated I am today that we have the Snowbirds back as our headline performers for our 2014 show, end quote, said Judy Willey, the president of the Oregon International Air Show. According to the report, the performance will be the first for the Snowbirds in Oregon since 1993 and is only one of four planned appearances in the U.S. this year. The team flies CT-114 Tudors, the Oregon International Air Show is scheduled for September 19th through 21st. I'm Glenn Moyer. Thanks for listening. You're now cleared for departure.